Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. This is episode 16. We're back after a two-week break. Happy holidays. Hope you guys had a good one. And Happy New Year. Um, we've got a lot to catch up on. So joining me as usual is Michael Amato in Toronto. Mike, how are you doing? Doing well. Hope all our listeners had a great holidays and a happy new year. And yeah, lots to lots to dive back into here. Yeah, lots to unpack. Um, just to start off, um, how is your team over the holidays, your fantasy team? Did you forget to sign, set up a lineup? Because sometimes I do over the holidays. Uh, no, I'm one of those like degenerates that's still checking the <laughs> checking the waiver wire on uh, Christmas morning. <laughs> you know, checking, trying to get an edge any way I can. So yeah, I definitely definitely didn't forget. Um, it was okay. My team's hanging in there. I just uh, lost Jack Hughes, who I'm sure we'll we'll get to here in a bit. Oh, me too. Yeah, I know. Me too. Ideal. But before we get into that, I actually want to get your thoughts on the Winter Classic, actually, and Joey Decor. Did you oh. normally with these outdoor games? I'm not a huge fan of but maybe because seattle's closer to where i am and having the two expansion teams um what did you think of that game and and joey decord's future fantasy value uh he's playing really well right now i grabbed him off waivers uh it's probably the best move i've made all year just like no signs of slowing down um i actually like the winter classic i just think there's been there's like so many other outdoor games now that it kind of like the novelty's worn off a bit um, yeah for sure i used to like the one game just on new year's day i thought it was perfect um they have like the little road to the winter classic series that you can watch like leads up to it which is really cool too the venues are always really nice so i think it's i think it's a really good thing i just think there's so many more outdoor games now with the heritage classic and other things that they do um i guess the novelty's just worn off a little bit for me i wish they brought back 24 7 on like hbo so you could have swearing in there because yeah. you know what it's kind of boring without the swearing yeah it's definitely I, I watched a couple of the episodes of this year's uh road to the winter classic and yeah it was a little little bit kind of watered down not as not as good as the old ones with bruce brudro and you know a bunch yeah, of yeah and coaches. tortorella those were the classics yeah there was some good content there so yeah. I, I definitely miss those and obviously i think part of uh, hockey one of the best parts about it is the on ice trash talk and when you can't show that on air it's not nearly as compelling so yeah. i definitely missed that part i do remember i think it was dubinsky and ovechkin fought in a fight and then they kind of pat each other on the back and said good job buddy and i <laughs> thought that was a really interesting uh, part of the game that people don't get to see very often but we have a lot of news to go over so we're going to start off with some news and then we're going to go through run through a list of players that we think have a lot of value uh, in the weeks to come. So starting off, I might as well start with the one that you mentioned before, Jack Hughes, broken jaw after taking a hit from Brendan Smith. Uh, Timo Myers also on injured reserve, and the Devils are just dropping like flies. Yeah, probably 
I think the Devils are creeping into like maybe the more disappointing teams, um, you know, that we've seen. Obviously, Jack Hughes losing him now, it's going to make things a lot worse. He's got the arm mm-hmm. injury. Um, Bedard broken jaw in that same game. That was a tough game to watch. If you, if you like, you know, fantasy hockey and you you like watching high end players play because both those guys probably going to miss a little time here. Maybe in jeopardy missing the All Star game, which kind of sucks too. Um, coming up but yeah it's a tough one for Hughes obviously second sort of significant injury of the season he missed a couple of weeks a little while back there again good news is though the Devils only played twice this week so that's I always think that's helpful um if you're losing like a star player and going into a a short week like that that's kind of good at least you could maybe get through it a little bit easier yeah they're missing Meyer too now who actually was playing pretty well before he went down I think he had like four goals and well three better games. I don't know about yeah, well, but better better um but I think for him that injury you know you're kind of running out of at a time now to maybe regain his value this year or salvage his season because that's a tough one um but yeah it's the Jack Hughes one kind of bothers me because it's not really a contact injury yeah, like it, it looked weird on the replay, and it, it sounds like it's on it's an arm injury. So you wonder about the shoulder thing, and I don't know how long he's out for. But anytime there's a non-contact injury, and I feel I feel like it's muscle related, it's it's really tough to put a timeline on. But that's actually good for a couple players on the Devils, actually, uh, namely Dawson Mercer probably gets a lot more minutes now. Uh, Nikhil Hishi has been a bit disappointing this year, I think, um, but maybe he picks it up uh, now. And Mike McLeod is actually a really underrated player just because he can play up the lineup. And when Hughes and uh, Hishier were injured for a little while, he actually played top six minutes and actually looked pretty good doing it. Yeah, he he's had his moments too. Like, actually, funny Mike McLeod story. A couple weeks ago, I was playing uh, my opponent in fantasy, picked him up on Sunday, and he basically potted a couple goals and had a huge <laughs> day in the faceoff circle and ended up catching me in a couple of categories. So, Mike McLeod's definitely done some damage uh, to me this year. But, yeah, look for all those guys to get more minutes, more playing time. I don't know. The Devils, to me, they just don't they don't look the same as they did last year. Like, they're just something Yeah, they're not as potent. Yeah. No, they're not clicking. And I, they've had a lot of injuries, right? Like, Dougie Hamilton's also out. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, he sure he missed a bunch of time earlier this year, too. So, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to get rolling and – well, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to do when you're, you know, keeping, you know, fishing pucks out of your own net all the time, right? Like, you just can't get going offensively if you're not getting the stops on defense. Yeah, they have not got the goaltending um, this year at all. And, and you know, Schmid going down, that was another 0G candidate kind of <laughs> gone, gone by the wayside. He was a guy I was pretty confident in this year. Like, I just thought it was a perfect scenario for what he showed at the end of last season. He kind of stole the job from Vanacek late last year for a little bit, <laughs> and it just seemed like he had a great opportunity this year. Really good team in front of him, and he just has not played well. The Devils haven't played well. It just it just did not work. And yeah, overall, man, New Jersey just not not looking the way I thought they would for sure. Yeah, and Connor Bedard's broken jaw. That team is just filled with injuries. So Taylor Hall, we already know, is out for the season. Thanasiu is out. Felino is out. Um, a whole bunch of guys. Um, Tyler Johnson, Taylor Radish, Bovillier, who they just acquired from the Canucks earlier in the year. Um, but I am intrigued by Jason Dickinson. I <laughs> like on any other team, he's a you know bottom six sort of penalty kill guy. 
um, on the Blackhawks. He's the number one center. He's getting 20 <laughs> minutes a game. His shooting percentage is sky high. So you expect that to come down a little bit, but there's also no one else to score on that team. So Dickinson, to me, kind of a good streamer, don't you think? I will admit to having a peek at Jason Dickinson <laughs> this week in my darkest moment. Um, yeah, I think he can score, actually. I think he has a little bit of a scoring touch. Um, well, I mean, in Vancouver, he definitely didn't. <laughs> no, but since but since he's gotten to Chicago, I feel like he's he's been scoring. I think the usage okay is a little rate. different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he's good. Like in my league, we count face-off wins. So mm-hmm. I always look at guys like that um, as potential options. He, he's only center eligible, which kind of turned me off on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of felt like I have watched a couple Blackhawks games late in, lately. And I, and I, I feel saw bad him, for you, but okay. Yeah. And I saw him score a couple goals and I hear some, some rumblings about him. So I check and it's, I, I thought he was actually doing better than what he was, but mm. um, I decided to pass on him. But yeah, I could see him as an option, you know, like someone's going to get, top minutes, top power play time, top line time, right? Even though that roster looks really bleak, really like an HL roster at this point. Um, that looks horrible. I know. And so I, I think, you know, you can look at those guys that are going to get the opportunities, but it's hard to say. Maybe in a, a streaming option, you know, in a week where the Blackhawks have a decent schedule, it might be might be worth a look. I mean, they did just pick up Zach Sanford and uh, Jacob Mangan off waivers and plugged them in right away. So that kind of tells you the state about this team. But for the Blackhawks, I would stream any player or any goalie against the Blackhawks. Although I probably ended up eating my words because Dan Vladar just lost to the Blackhawks earlier today, which was both just disappointing and a little (laughs) shocking to me. Dan Vladar, I I don't understand. Like People seem to think he's like the perfect fit for a lot of teams goalie troubles you know i guess he doesn't make a lot of money and and you know he has some experience but yeah i, I don't see vladar um as really fantasy relevant at all um you know mark Shub's actually played pretty well oh, yeah, this year on, on, a, on a team that's been up and down um his numbers have been really good he's had a bounce back here um you know the reason the flames are struggling is not because of markstrom so Vladar, um, well, Huberto's picking it up. I don't know if you've noticed that either. <laughs> yeah, he's got a couple points now. Like they, they have, they have some, you know, a lot of fantasy relevant players on that team. It's just they're they've been kind of inconsistent in the win column. But yeah, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see Vladar as somebody that um, I, I'm not even really comfortable streaming him unless it's sort of in a desperate, desperate kind right. of move. But right. yeah. Well, speaking of uh, backups, uh, Dave Riddick is also one that Flames fans are quite familiar with. Big but save it looks Dave. Like, yeah, big save Dave or no save Dave, depending no on what, Dave. <laughs> what kind of night he has. But uh, Phoenix Copley out for the season with a knee injury. That means Riddick is going to be Cam Talbot's backup. Um, I actually think Riddick has some value here because the Kings are so good that you're going to be able to pick up the wins. With Vladar probably not likely um, just because when he's bad, uh, he's probably going to get the loss. But when Riddick is bad, there's always a chance that the Kings can bail him out. So as a zero G guy, how do you like David Riddick as maybe even a streaming option? I agree. He does have some value. I think where the challenge lies is, you know, Talbot really hasn't showed any signs of, real sign no. going down um no that's actually kind of shocking to me actually. yeah me, me as well and so i think if you believe that you know 36 year old cam talbot is going to keep this going and be like a number one guy and play you know 50 something games then i don't know how much value riddick has C- certainly as a streamer a spot start guy mm-hmm. he would um 
but if you think, you know, at some point Talbot's going to hit a wall and they're going to need to go, you know, lean more on someone like Riddick, then yeah, I think he would be an interesting option for sure. Because as you said, you know, I think the Kings are one of the best, you know, defensive teams, most structured teams in the league. So he would have a lot of value there. It's just, yeah, we're getting to the point where, you know, we're creeping up on mid January and Talbot still looks pretty firm in that, in that number one spot. So we'll see. Yeah, we're midway through the the year, pretty much. By the end yeah. of this coming week, we'll be midway through. Yeah, it's just I think, and it also right, like injuries for someone like Talbot, like you know, at some point, is that going to catch up to him? I know he hasn't played a lot of games, you know, in the past few years. He's kind of missed some time, so you know, I could see Riddick kind of stumbling into some value, maybe if that were to happen. But you know, maybe the Kings are a team that that are also kind of in the hunt for for an upgrade, you know, just for some more insurance on Talbot. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's go to some player notes. Uh, let's stick with the goalies first. So uh, going back to the Devils, Nico Dawes. Now, if you ask me if there is a goalie that could take over Vitek Vanacek, to me, it's Nico Dawes. Um, missed a ton of time in the past year or so with hip surgery. Uh, he's arguably their best goalie prospect in the system. I know he hasn't performed as well to just take over the starting job outright, but I do think there's a bit of a goalie battle here. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I I, I thought Schmid could have done it as well. You know, I don't <laughs> think Vanacek is like that tough to kind of outplay. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Dawes gets his shot now. I, I think it's very possible. Um, mm-hmm. Very just, similar numbers between the two, right? Yeah. 84 save percentage for Vanacek and 894 for Nico Dawes. Yeah, and Dawes only a few games here yet. So, I don't know. I think, again, you know, it kind of depends on the state of the Devils. Are they going to kind of find their way here and, and get back to winning at a pace that they were last year? I think that would make Dawes really valuable. You know, if they're just kind of going to be sputtering and fighting for a playoff spot, then, you know, he'd have to really kind of take over that net entirely to, I think, to have a lot of value. But, yeah, if you're really kind of desperate in goal right now and your goalies are kind of banged up and you just kind of miss the boat on some guys, maybe that's Dawes is a guy you take a chance on. What about the MJ of hockey, Martin Jones? Your favorite <laughs> Leafs goaltender of all time Martin now. Jones. What, a, what a stabilizing force Martin <laughs> Jones has been. Most teams, when you turn to the third goalie, it's big trouble, but yeah. actually been really good, um, you know, especially on this West Coast trip. So It's actually yeah. really nice for the Leafs because then they don't really have to push Joey, Joey Wool to come back early, right? No, they don't. And it was an incredible signing i guess this summer getting him and getting him through waivers um which i thought was pretty amazing that they were able to pull that off um so yeah he's he's filling a good role right now again the leafs are a pretty good regular season team you know i don't i also think i if you watch the last few games that they've played it looks like they've played a lot similar or, or more like they were last year very kind of goalie friendly they they seem to realize okay we got to help jones out a little bit here and granted like you know, when you're playing Anaheim and San Jose, it's not super, super <laughs> tough games. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But they, I think they've helped him out a lot. He hasn't been tested a lot, but, you know, he's kind of doing what Samsonov couldn't, right? Like, he's just making the saves he should make. You mean you do know. his job? Yeah, like keep the puck <laughs> out of the net. Um, he's making the saves he should make. You know, he's not giving up bad goals. And that's kind of all the Leafs need, right? Like, they're talented enough to yeah. kind of win with just that. And, uh, yeah, I think it's probably, unless Samsonov has some kind of a huge you know, comeback story here. I, I think doubt it, it right? I, I, I can't see it either. So it's probably going to be Wool and uh, Jones, you know, in, in a few weeks or a month or so, and Wool's ready to go. 
Yeah, who knew scratching David Kemp was not the answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> of all people, just uh, take yeah, it out. I, Kemp. I kind of feel bad for these bottom <laughs> six guys sometimes. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, you didn't, you missed one defensive assignment. Hey, you're scratched. Meanwhile, <laughs> the top guys are not scoring or they're not playing defense, and they get to coast all all they want. Yeah, that's um, how it works, unfortunately. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Dennis Hildeby, would you be comfortable streaming him? I thought about it. I thought he was going to get at least one of the starts on those I, backs, but I thought they would have too. Like to me, to me, it sounds like they're not really comfortable playing him. Yeah. Um, I almost think he has to play this week because at least play four times. There's a back to back in there uh, with Colorado and Detroit next weekend. So that's tough, though. Yeah, like if he gets that Detroit game, it's not terrible on Sunday. But well, I mean, they're gonna outscore each other, right? Because yeah, the Red Wings have Alex Line, who's finally kind of back in a groove now, but they're just not that great defensively still. Yeah, I think Jeff Petrie and Ben Sherrod are probably two of the most miscast. Like defensive-minded defenseman out there. Yeah. They've kind of lost a step a little bit. Um, that'll be an interesting one. Um, whoever draws the Colorado game, good luck. Yeah, it'll be tougher. I wonder, yeah. though, I wonder if there's a chance they do. So the Leafs also play San Jose again on yeah. Tuesday. Um, I wonder if maybe they play Hilt to be in that game just to get mm-hmm. him kind of have a start in there because that's more of an easier one maybe try and get his confidence going because if you are going to play him let's say against detroit next sunday are you really going to put him in there after basically two weeks of him not playing any like seeing any game action right like he's just been kind of backing up and practicing so i don't know it might be a good idea to play him against the sharks who have lost what 11 in a row now like maybe maybe i I do feel like yeah, I do feel like that might be a good revenge game for Martin Jones. <laughs> yeah, another one, another one. Yeah, like play, play, play one on Saturday night, right? In yeah. San Jose, so. um, but I think Hildeby on Long Island might be a nice one because that's on the road and uh, less pressure when you're at home. Yeah. Or away from home, I should say. Although the Islanders offense kind of scares me sometimes, which is shocking to say, to, to be honest. Yeah, they're, they've been better offensively this year. Yeah, it's tough, right? Like, I, I I can't see, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't see them starting Martin Jones like six or seven straight games and then, you know, just throwing Hill to be in there when he hasn't played in forever. I think maybe getting him an earlier game this week might make sense. Whether it's the Sharks or the Islanders, I don't know which one's better. You know, I think the Sharks is an easier opponent, obviously, but yeah, for sure. it's also first game back from a West Coast trip, which sometimes can be a bit tricky for teams, so... We'll yeah, see. yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like the stars of Scott Wedgwood, right? Like he's started, I think, 10, 15 straight games with Jock, Jake Ottinger out. And in the past two games, he's allowed nine goals. And I feel like maybe he's just not used to the workload and maybe they should give the other Matt Murray a chance. But it doesn't look like they want to give Matt the other Matt Murray a chance. Just kind of like he'll be like coaches are weird when it comes to goalies. A lot of them are so hesitant to throw out a goalie just to see what would happen. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. Like I, I thought, you know, going going back to Hildeby, I thought Hildeby should have played against the Ducks, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a a friendly opponent. It's a non-conference opponent. If you lose it, it's not a big deal. I think the Ducks had, you know, ten shots halfway through the game. Like <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. It's not. It's not a bad. You know, you're not going to ruin the guy's development by putting him out there one time. So, yeah, Wedgwood, same thing. I mean, he hasn't really played well of late. What's what's the worry of throwing Matt Murray in there? Like, I, I don't yeah. Know. Well, I mean, 
you can ruin a goalie with just one start because I I'm reminded of the Canucks with uh, Michael DiPietro <laughs> when we had no goalies had to throw him out there and the Sharks just tortured the guy and I don't think he ever recovered. But anyway, moving on to defensemen. Um, so shout out to Apples and Geno's uh, fantasy hockey podcast. Great guys over there, Blake Creamer. I was a, a guest on there a few weeks ago, and I said that Luke Hughes is a better fantasy option than Brent Burns which like thought was a bit of a spicy take. What's your take? I don't think I'm too far off base here though. Uh, it's a little warm. I don't know how hot, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how hot it is, but it's a little warm. I think like three weeks ago or, or a month ago, it wouldn't have been that hot because Burns was really struggling. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Luke Hughes will be in the next year or so, but I think right well, now. Well, as a keeper league, I don't think there's any. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, keeper league, no question. You want Luke Hughes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think he's yeah, Brent Burns is 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost like 40. It, yeah. Although but like, I just feel like because the Canes offense has kind of come alive, yeah. Burns is is scoring points again. Luke Hughes does a lot on the ice. I just feel like if there was such thing as a third assist, he would get a lot of third assists. Yeah. For um, sure. because he does start a lot of the plays and also because he is the quarterback on their power play. We just haven't seen that spike since Dougie Hamilton was injured. But I see Luke Hughes, and I see a lot of uh, offensive weapons. Of course, not now with Jack Hughes and and uh, uh, Timo Meyer out. But I, I do like his profile. I think he's probably going to finish around 40, 50 points this season, which is pretty good, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And you have to remember, like, he's what is he only played like forty NHL games yet? So, yeah, like, something he's, like that. And he looks pretty good. So he's only going to get better. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to be as good as you know Quinn, but. Um, even if he's anywhere, right, he's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even if he's anywhere close, like he'll have a lot of a lot of value, obviously. So, yeah, I don't think it's that crazy. Um, I think like Burns right now has just caught you know lightning in a bottle. That Kane's power play's been crazy, crazy good. Um, you know, like I'm actually really uh, impressed with the Canes. Like Aho and Shvetchnikov actually look like they could kind of exceed what we typically think is their ceiling for points if they kind of keep this going they've had some huge games lately so yeah i think obviously in the long term you'd want hughes even if you had hughes this year over burns i don't think you're like in a terrible spot either yeah well obviously i don't but (laughs) um moving on to two other defensemen that one of them we've mentioned before and that's brock faber jared spurgeon's been having an injury riddled season not playing as much as he could uh but brock faber has really stepped up and you know with Jack or Timo, what am I saying? With Connor Bedard uh, injured with a broken jaw, I wonder if Brock Faber has a chance to kind of sneak in a little bit and maybe leapfrog him in the Calder race because he's been that good playing well over 20 minutes per game, quarterback in the power play, just plays a really steady game. And usually when you think of these players, they don't really put up a lot of fantasy points or have a lot of fantasy value. But I am intrigued by Brock Faber. What about you? Oh, definitely. I've been talking about him for a while. He, he, a couple of weeks ago, he was playing like 30 minutes in a couple of games. Yeah, like 30 minutes for like three or four straight games. Yeah, he's getting a lot of responsibility there. I'm not that worried about Spurgeon coming back. Like he has a hard time staying healthy. I think if Faber, you know, might be able to just take over that spot. Yeah. Um, regardless if Spurgeon is healthy or not. So he's Unless definitely... you're in a multi-category league, Spurgeon doesn't actually have a lot of fantasy value because he just... Other than that one season, he usually doesn't put up a lot of points either. Yeah, no, I, I think he's, to me, Spurgeon's more of a streamer. Um, he can mm-hmm. get hot for a little bit, but 
overall, he's not somebody that I would typically hold. But yeah, those kind of minutes for Faber, I mean, you can't help but produce if you're playing that much. So I think I would definitely take a look at him. What about Thomas Harley? So at the beginning of the season, I did my Dallas Stars team preview on the fantasy uh, website. He was my breakout player. And one of the things I mentioned was this kid's good, but he's never going to really break out if Miro Haskinen's playing in front of him. Miro Haskinen is, is out now uh, week to week. And this is Thomas Harley's time. Harley's interesting. Um, he actually, I think, has more goals than assists right now. Um, but to me, he's a bit of a playmaker. So Harley has uh, nine goals in 35 games and uh, 10 assists. So close enough. Pretty even. Uh, yeah, pretty even. But I do think his assists are going to pile up if he's going to run that quarter or run that power play as a quarterback. And I think the stars have a really good defenseman here. If you look at their defense, I think there's a really good chance that Harley can play a lot of minutes because other than Essa Lindell and maybe Hockenpah, um, I don't see a lot of defense that can play a lot of minutes. I, I've been on the Ryan Suter is overrated train for like the past three years. So I, I don't see the stars playing Suter over Harley anytime soon. No, and Suter's like getting up there now in age too, right? So yeah. I think Harley's got seven a real points in thirty-eight games, minus three. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think like Harley should easily surpass someone like him. It was funny yesterday. I think well on Friday when it was kind of announced that um, Heiskin was going to miss time, everyone was like, "Add Harley, add Harley." And then on Saturday, I don't know if you saw like the Stars started with a five forward power play <laughs> for the first power play and everyone was like oh god no. and then of course it didn't work well at all and then the next power play i think they moved harley up and they scored right away and he got an assist and then he got he ended up getting two assists in the game so yeah i think well, four power plays they just don't work the, the sharks uh, tried it for the longest time yeah a lot of teams do and it, it's it's hard right like it, it just you know there's still you still end up getting a situation where forwards have to kind of defend and it's tricky yeah, I was watching this game. I can't remember what, um, but it was an empty net situation, but also a power play. So six on four. I think it was mm. the Devils, actually. They played six forwards on the ice that time. Yeah, well, that's the time you want to do it, right? When you have kind of yeah, nothing but, to lose, you're trying to tie the game. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like you should have one D there because a forward play on the blue line is not a spot that he's usually comfortable with yeah, or no. used to playing. So I think finding someone who can walk the blue line is really important and and i think faber and harley can do that uh really good playmakers not like an explosive offensive defenseman type that we've seen from like mccarr and not nearly as creative or as um you know shifty as hughes but definitely guys who can you can really depend on yeah for sure lots lots of talent there they're young too they'll get better when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of dependable, coaches love this guy, but as fantasy players, we have grown to hate him, and that's Alex Kerfoot. <laughs> Alex Kerfoot. I I had to do a double take when I saw the amount of points he's recorded in the past 
like 20 games or so. I had to double check there wasn't like another Alex Kerfoot that <laughs> I was not aware of. Um, watching this guy play in Toronto for years, great guy, but it seems like, you know, he he always He's passed. a bit of a low event player, like dependable, yeah. a low event. He just never like, you know, he always passed when he should have shot, shot when he should have passed. Um, I feel like everybody that's played any amount of hockey at any level has always had like an Alex Kerfoot on their team. A guy that like <laughs> skates like the wind, always finds the puck on a stick, but will never score a goal if you gave him like a hundred chances right in front of the net. <laughs> but so, somehow this year in Arizona, he's he's connecting on that top line. He got the promotion when, you know, Barrett Hayton went out um, playing with Schmaltz and Keller. And he's playing really well. I think he's got 18 points in 17 games, something like that, um, yeah. remarkably. And that line actually hasn't been quite as potent as it was last year. Well, um, Schmaltz has fallen off quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, right? Schmaltz has really fallen off. Hayton obviously had a, a slow start. Keller's still been okay. Um, but yeah, that line hasn't been as dominant. But Kerfoot's kind of really fit there. And yeah, he, he's a good he's a good streaming option. Um, a good option to maybe think of holding for a while if you can keep this going. Yeah, I was because... going to say, I feel like he's moved beyond streaming status now. Yeah, he's definitely... Like he has... I, I shouldn't completely write him off because I mean... There was years where he played with, you know, Tavares and Nylander, and he was like a 55, 57 point player. You know, like he can, he can score in the 50 point range. Um, it's just, yeah, like he, his, you know, his ceiling was only so high. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much he's, he's actually going to, you know, continue to score this year, but he's definitely filling the net right now, filling the score sheet. So, yeah, if you need forward help, definitely look at him. Yeah. I mean, playing, playing with Clayton Keller helps. Yeah. Uh, on a side note, Logan Cooley has been a, a bit of a disappointing um, asset to me in fantasy, at least three goals in 37 games, uh, minus 13. Obviously as a rookie, you don't expect him to like, you know, come in and dominate right away, but I think he's having a little trouble finding his spot in the lineup. So he was centering line one when Hayden was out, didn't really work out. Now he's playing left wing with Bustag and Kraus. Uh, granted, Zucker's not there, so the, the lines are kind of jumbled a little bit. But Logan Cooley, I am positive that he has a ton of keeper value going forward. But I don't know. He's not setting the table for even a good season next year, although you know anything could happen, right? Yeah, I think it's hard for players of his age to really come in and like find their role in that in that center position especially like it's, it's yeah he's of, only 19 still yeah it's really tough and i think we're like I, I get the disappointment because there's definitely been opportunities in arizona this year mm-hmm. with you know with hayden getting injured and him not hayden not playing very well to start the year yep. like you could kind of envision okay maybe Cooley gets that jump up and if you're looking you know around it's like hey you only has to beat out alex kerfoot and you know he clearly couldn't do that so yeah it's a bit frustrating i had him earlier on in the year um, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't too bad. He was getting, you know, assists here and there, the odd power play point. Um, not, not a huge shot volume obviously yet. So I just couldn't hold on to him cause he, again, just so many centers. It's hard to, hard to keep all of them. But yeah, I'm with you. If you're thinking long-term or in a keeper or dynasty and you've got him, like definitely don't panic. Uh, he's going to be fine. It's just, yeah, it's, it's taking him a bit of time. All right. Next one. We've talked about him before. Jonathan <laughs> drew Oh, <laughs> playing with his uh, Halifax Mooseheads running mate, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton on top line. You can't not b- but score points when you're playing on this line, right? Yeah. So this is exactly, I, I wrote a lot 
and I, about Drew out in the summer, and I was touting him a lot in the summer as a deep sleeper um, for this exact scenario. I didn't think yeah. it would take this long for him to get here. And, I, and there were times <laughs> where I didn't think he would actually make it work because it looked like it was not going to work. Um, but suddenly he's had a really good, you know, 15 game stretch here. It's not, not really a small sample size anymore. Like it's actually a good stretch of, of games playing so much. Yeah. So many minutes, I think over 21 minutes, the last four games, uh, 13 points in his last 12 really well. You know, obviously I think the challenge here is the Colorado top six, uh, they might shuffle that around more than any other team in the league. When you look at it, they move Mm -hmm. things around a lot. They've obviously had injuries too, but I think the challenge is, you know, do they keep McKinnon and Rantanen as a pair going forward? Because sometimes they split them up for balance. Yeah. So that if you lose one of them and it would be Rantanen, obviously would, would go down as the winger. Mm-hmm. That would hurt Drew. Um, number two, I think, you know, Lekkanen is coming back at some point here, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks. What does that do to the top six? Um, yeah. Nutrition's think, been incredible too, by the way. Yeah, he's been unbelievable too. So, Right now, I think they have something that works. Um, if they can just kind of keep it going and not, and Druin cannot, you know, completely fall apart, I think they'll mm-hmm. they'll kind of stick with it. And at least Druin's shown now, hey, if you play me here and you give me a long run with these guys, you know, I, I can produce, right? Like mm-hmm. I can actually, you know, put the puck in the net, get points, you know, be an asset, play big minutes. He's, he's kind of also playing more responsibly too, which I think is helping him um, stay up on that spot. So I think as long as they can kind of hold that and not completely fall apart, I think, you know, the top six might stay, stay as it is for a while in Colorado. And that's great. If you you've grabbed Drew and he's still available in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I agreed. So the thing with Drew too, is it's kind of hard to impress your coaches when you're playing 10 minutes a night. Right. Yeah. So for him, the more minutes he gets, I feel like the more confident, comfortable and confident he becomes. So it just it's kind of like feeding the beast a little bit here yeah. with Druan. If you had told me at the beginning of the season that Druan would have more fantasy than Ryan Johansson, I would have been really skeptical. But Ryan Johansson has not been good at all. Um, no, I don't know if you heard the comments about uh, when uh, uh, Devin Taves was or Devon Taves was talking about you know some guys in this team aren't really pulling their weight. And I yeah. feel like that's a, that was a shot at Ryan Johansson. <laughs> Um, not the speediest skater, but sometimes it does look like he's he's kind of lost interest. But good for Duran. I do think he's a good streamer um, for the rest of the season, if not a hold. Um, Colorado, I think, doesn't have a lot of games coming up. Um, just looking. At yeah, Colorado. to me, yeah, there are three games: Boston, Vegas, and Toronto. So that's a tough schedule. Yeah, to me, he's as long as he's in this you know spot and they keep this deployment. Yeah, he's definitely a hold. Uh, Nyquist, Gus Nyquist, hold or uh, hold or stream. I think he's a hold as long as you can kind of live through the dips and valleys, kind of like Druan, because that top line in Nashville and Gustav Nyquist, they've gone on some really crazy hot runs. <clears throat> yeah, that top line's been incredible. Um, the Predators are a different team to me now. The Andrew Burnett factor is real. He's kind of got them playing the way you know, Florida did in his sort of last season there. They're scoring a lot of goals. I grabbed Nyquist this past week. I'm holding him. He's been scoring a ton. Um, yeah, that top line is incredible. O'Reilly, Forsberg, Nyquist. Nyquist is probably the one out of the three that's obviously the most available in leagues. So yeah. 
I would grab him, you know, like he, it's not, it's not often you can find a first, you know, we just drew into the same sort of conversation. You can find a first line winger um, that's playing really well at this point in the season on waivers. And I think those are two guys um, that are definitely doing that. You know, I think Nyquist's mm-hmm. spot is probably more secure than Druin's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. going forward, but Druin maybe has more upside. He's playing with more talented players, I think overall. So I think either guy's, is great, but I like Nyquist a lot. Like he's just been pretty consistent for me all year. And you know, that line, I keep thinking like O'Reilly's gonna slow down because he's hasn't scored at you know anywhere close to the rate he scored at this year mm-hmm. um in a long, long time, but he just keeps going. And same with Forsberg, like Forsberg's in for a career year too. Yeah, Forsberg's been great. It's actually really funny because I, I feel like the Preds have been carried by their veterans, even though they're trying to move a little younger. So like yeah. Novak, Parson in evangelista they've been a little disappointing to me this year i thought they'd take another step but it's the veterans driving the strain that average age on that top line by the way is like 32 years old which is yeah i insane I, I agree with that like i i had novak pegged as somebody that could potentially take over o'reilly's spot at some mm-hmm. point in the year um because i O'Reilly, if you look at his numbers over the past few years, offense has really dipped, but yeah, he's, I, I don't see it now. I, I think uh, th- that line is going to stay together. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so every fantasy season, there's always, you know, a couple guys that, that kind of fly under the, the radar and I kind of just forget about or don't pay attention to. Um, it's hard to keep track of 300 plus players. And they're just players that you just are skeptical of, no matter what they do. So, I mean, Kerfoot's one of them. So I see a scoring spike in Kerfoot. I I don't see it as something that could continue. And yes, he's on and off, but he's overall he's been having a good season. That that one player to me that has really slipped under the radar and really caught me off guard with how good of a season he's having is Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman, um, to me, has always been sort of like a bottom six grinder. Because he had that uh, stinted Tampa Bay with uh, Goudreau, where they were like the most dependable third line ever. But this year, uh, Blake Coleman, 15 goals, 15 assists, 30 points in 40 games, plus 18. Uh, and just playing 16 minutes a game. I- I'm really, really impressed. Are there any players this year um, that have kind of been in a similar boat for you or, or players in the past even? um yeah let me well i'll just speak to coleman for a second yeah you mentioned 30 points already i think his career high is 38 so already kind of well on his well on his way to to kind of shattering that um and yeah he's he's been doing it like basically on the third line limited limited power play time Mm -hmm. he's he's always been kind of a streamer that you know has upside for hits yeah and he can get you know a little bit of an offensive surge going here and there but Mm -hmm. he's been now doing it for 20 games or so he's had really really strong numbers um yeah i'm trying to think of who a guy like that for me is that i just really haven't haven't appreciated enough um there, there's probably a few like i always try to find guys in my league that you know have really really good category coverage mm-hmm. maybe you're not good in in one like specific area um but i guess maybe somebody i I'd, I'd say for this year is like jt confer um oh yeah He's been having a pretty solid year for Detroit. Um, Still somebody, no center eligibility. What the heck? No. And I always kind of 
I look at him because, like I said, in my league, we count face-off wins, so he's good for that. But this year, I kind of think he's putting it all together offensively. He's in the top six there. Um, I think he was always a bit underrated, and people look at his Colorado time and be like, well, he's playing with all these talented players, and he's getting a lot of minutes. Of course, he's going to do this. Well, he goes to Detroit, and I don't think Detroit lacks in talent, especially now. He's playing between DeBrincat and Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, by the way, has looked incredible. I know we talked about that. Yeah, what a gamble. Like, if you stashed him, those those hip kind of surgeries, they they don't usually end up. And, and again, it's early, but yeah, he looks like completely um, mm-hmm. like he's gone a few years back in time, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple players like that. Even... Uh, so, like, say Dakota Joshua, uh, 10 goals this season, one of the top leaders in hits. So, if you're looking at multi-category leagues, he's kind of like, he's been like the Tom Wilson of uh, the season. Um, not to wax too much uh, about the Canucks, but that third line has been incredible. And every team, there's there's players like that. And when we get to our sleeper and keeper picks, uh, there's one player on the Bruins that I like to highlight for this as well, too. Yeah, there's there's always those guys that, you know, and I think a lot of it depends on your league categories, right? Mm-hmm. Like a guy mm-hmm. might be just an average player, but you know, if he has some combination of like hits and faceoff wins and, you know, he's offensive upside better than, you know, a large number of guys out there, he can really be, you know, a difference maker for your team. You got to look for those Coleman's, those Confers. Yeah, like Dakota mm-hmm. Joshua stepped up too. So those guys, a lot of times are, you know, we always think of the high-end players um, that do so much for your team, but sometimes those players are like the difference between winning and losing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have one mailbag question that was really interesting that I want to get to before we uh, end the episode. This is from at four miles to home on Twitter. He says, Mike and Jason, one change I'd like to see for fantasy hockey leagues, in-game goalie swap, one per week. This is really interesting. Um, so I think there's pros and cons to this. So the pro is obviously you don't really get saddled with a bad start if you make a bad decision or if the coaches announce the starters late and you don't have time to set your rosters. This is a great um, sort of change. Now, I don't like it because it's like a mulligan. And I don't think you should get mulligans in fantasy hockey. You should, if you start Dan Vladar against the Hawks, you have to pay for that decision. But I think it depends on how it's structured here, right? Like, do you have to sub? Do you have to make the sub like actually like you're subbing a goalie out that's playing at the same time simultaneously for that goalie? Mm-hmm. But then you'd have to kind of time it so that you swap out the goalies at a specific point and then you don't get the stats from the point that you switch. Yeah. I don't think you could do it that way. I think it would just be like, Hey, you've got a goalie on your bench and the guy starting isn't playing well. So you're putting in, you know, the, the other guy at some point during the game, you might, you maybe have to have a cutoff like after the, you know, first period or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yeah, you so do like- it. Let's say you start a goalie and he allowed, you know, three goals in the first period and you want to swap him out. Do you still get docked for those three goals in the first period? No. I think it's I think I think what this person is saying is yeah, it would be a mulligan. I've heard of this done in a fantasy football league where you can sub one guy on your bench in for a guy you started, mm-hmm. which is like a true mulligan. So but I think in this way it would be like so like today, let's say you you know, you had Vladar and I, I didn't see his final stats, but let's say like you said He's, he's gives up a handful of goals in the first period. You've also got 
I don't know, someone else playing like Martin Jones is playing on your bench and he's in the first period and, you know, he's got, he's made, you know, 10 saves on 10 shots. You're just flipping them, I guess. And now you're, now you're going with Jones the rest of the way. If Jones gives up, you know, four goals from here on in, I guess you're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you know, stick with Vladar, you got to take your chance there that he's going to just, you know, keep getting lit up further. I know it's interesting. It, 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 definitely it is interesting. I, I just don't know how it would work. And I also am the fan of, well, you know what? You pick the wrong goalie to start. You should pay for that decision. Yeah. Which we all know like happens a lot, right? When you have three goalies, that's one of the reasons I don't like carrying a lot of goalies just because I don't want to have to make the choice because it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. 90% of the time. It's like, oh, I got to sit this guy and start the other two. And, you know, it's just like Murphy's Law. You always pick the wrong one. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be interesting. I think it overall, I don't I don't think I love it for the reason, like you said, yeah, you're kind of getting a mulligan out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's once a week. I mean, I think most people now have multiple bad goalie starts a week. <laughs> Unless you're really fortunate, you have really good goalies. Yeah, actually, the last week, the the week of the Winter Classic, I started off with two shutouts, and I coasted that the rest of the way. <laughs> Didn't yeah. play a single goal. Well, I did play one, but I think it was UC Soros, and he kind of killed it for me, but I still ended up <laughs> winning, so it was all good. Less is right. more with goalies, I find. Yeah, yeah. All right, sleepers and keepers time. Um, Why don't you go ahead first? All right, uh, my sleeper is Vladislav Nemestikov, um, doing really well for the Jets lately. Um, Top line. Up, yeah, putting up points, center left-wing eligibility, great for face-off wins. Um, he's been really strong, so I think I would take a chance on him. And my keeper uh, is Ricard Raquel. I kind of badmouthed him last week <laughs> in my column. Pro tip, uh, any all- player that Michael badmouths, pick him up right away. <laughs> Rickard Raquel has been incredible since uh, returning from injury. Top line with Crosby, top power play with Crosby. I mean, this this guy actually fills a lot of categories too. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's really picked it up. He's playing great with Crosby and Gensel now. Um, he's on a huge streak. So I would I would hold on to him as long as he's on that top line. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, sleeper. I thought when Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle were playing together that. These two guys would be the top six centers. But no, Morgan Geeky has remained the top center on the Bruins. Um, really, really good multi-category player. Uh, centering Zackel and Pavel Pastor or Pavel Zaka and David Pasternak. And anytime you're centering David Pasternak, you're bound to get points. Um, I really like the schedule as well. Um, playing four games. Uh, you start off with a little tough with Colorado, but you see you face Arizona and St. Louis. All games are on the road, but I don't think that's a big deal for the Bruins. Um, keeper of the week. Um, we mentioned him before, but Thomas Harley on the Stars. Um, I really like uh, Harley's skill set. Uh, they play Minnesota twice, uh, back-to-back home-and-home uh, series, and then they play Chicago on Saturday. I think that's just a juicy matchup. And like I said, anytime you can pick a player that plays against the Hawks, you must do it unless his name is Dan Vildar. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the geeky pick a lot, especially that, he, you know, he's managed to keep that spot even with Saka healthy. So mm-hmm. that's big. He's a good mm-hmm. ca- category coverage guy too. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, this is it for our episode. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and follow and give us a like. Uh, it's good to be back after a bit of a break. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time.